Glory to God. Um, I've been speaking, actually, last week, of course, was Easter, and uh, uh, we taught a message uh, uh, that this changes everything. And I want to kind of continue on that line uh, about this changes everything. And we saw, of course, uh, the greatest uh, change that ever took place was uh, the act of love of that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. Glory to God. So we are truly grateful and thankful uh, to God, our Father, uh, that he did love us. I mean, you can imagine uh, that when Adam fell, Adam disobeyed and committed high treason um, and turned over all the authority that God had just given him. Uh, he turned it over to Satan, right? Uh, and, and so uh, you can imagine, I guess, uh, if God wasn't as gracious and as loving as he is, he could have flicked us out into eternity. I mean, we'd still be going across the cosmos in one big ball of fire. Isn't that right? The earth and everything, you know, just a shooting star. But no, instead, he had a plan, and immediately um, he executed that plan. Um, don't, I don't know if you realize it. Um, uh, you know, the story, Adam and Eve uh, found themselves to be naked. God said, who told you you were naked? And uh, they told the story of what this, you know, serpent did, and uh, they were deceived and such. But the first thing that God did was he um, uh, sl slain an animal and created uh, uh, something to cover them. Isn't that right? Um, and, and so in that first moment, uh, God was not without a plan. He told them the plan and then uh, actually said, and the, and the woman's seed, talking to Satan, shall bruise your head. The woman's seed shall bruise your head. This actually was a, a prophetic concerning Jesus Christ. The woman's seed. Well, why is it the woman's seed? Well, we know that the man carries the seed. Isn't that right? Uh, but in this case, he said the woman's seed because it was declaring an immaculate uh, conception that God was going to plant within the womb of Mary a seed, and that seed was Christ, okay? And he shall bruise your head, and this actually has to do with a decrowning uh, of Satan. Satan had authority given to him rightfully uh, by Adam, and so we come into the condition uh, of what we discussed last week is uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this changes everything. This changes everything. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we want to um, uh, look into the Word of God. Um, uh, probably I'm going to uh, maybe challenge some of our uh, doctrine concerning a couple scriptures, but we have to always interpret scripture with scripture and also in the context text of which it was set. You understand? Can, can I help everybody just a little bit? Because otherwise, you could find yourself believing a whole lot of things. And, and, and that's what happens with um, uh, cults often. They'll take this and twist it. And then, and then when the other things don't fit, they start writing their own Bibles and making up stuff, you know. And, and uh, so, so you gotta, that's why you got to watch that tower. You know what I'm saying? You got to watch that tower. Y'all know? Anyway, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyhow, John uh, 14, John chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading the New King James, unless I tell you differently, okay? So you can be, be with me if you'd like to get, pull up that version. 
It says, these things, uh, sorry, this is uh, chapter one, excuse me, chapter 14, verse one and two. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, so I want to uh, challenge our belief concerning the statement. I personally have used this statement in the way that probably most of you um, have believed concerning this, uh, that he goes to prepare a place. And so we've actually uh, relegated this one scripture, we've taken it out of its place and said, Jesus right now is building mansions. He's our heavenly carpenter right now. He's up there building, you know, building, building a mansion for each one of us. This has been our mindset. And uh, so, you know, somebody else gets saved. He's like, oh, you know, and starts building, you know. And uh, it's kind of an interesting deal to have this mentality. But we have, oftentimes we allow ourselves to believe things without really thinking them all the way out. Y'all with me? Okay. God, who in six days... God, who in six days, six days, created everything. And he's up there right now doing what? It just doesn't quite make sense, right? I mean, you think about the way things are spoken of the Bible, you know, when the new Jerusalem, he just takes the whole thing, you know, and brings it down. So, but yet, he's thinking of you and he's making your mansion with nails, mortar. I don't think that's the way it works. But if you look at it in the context of which it was said, I think we find out something very different. Y'all with me? So he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Actually, uh, this uh, could be translated, should be translated dwellings, are many dwellings. There's room for everyone. It's so funny when I meditate on the word, I am an interesting person. Maybe you haven't realized that, but all of us are unique individuals, right? And we have different processes. I think that's why um, when each of us meditate on God, we all get these amazing aspects of him because we all ask different questions and we all think of things differently. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just that we are many faceted beings and, and so massive and great and amazing gifts and talents and such. But I'm thinking about this and I thought, are angels homeless? Are they the homeless of heaven? Do they have mansions too? But here he says, in my house are many dwellings. I'd like to believe angels have a place to go. Amen. And we know that they minister for the heirs of salvation. They're busy. But Jesus is making the statement. I think that we've made a mistake thinking that he's gone ahead of us to start building this place for us. But we're going to see it in context. Let's look at uh, John chapter 14 and verse 25. He says, these things 
I have spoken to you, and for the people doing the slides for us, uh, we're going to be going all the way through verse 29, so 25 through 29. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So uh, hold on to Holy Ghost and peace. We know these, these uh, aspects are going to be seen again, okay? So in verse 28, you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. Okay, so remember verse, uh, verse one and two, um, uh, he says, I'm going to go, right? I am going to go and prepare a place for you. Okay, we have made this to be uh, uh, that, you know, when he comes in the, uh, the second coming, that this is when we're going to go realize this place. But I want you to know that he went away and came back and they saw it. Do you understand? I'm going to go away and come back so that you can go where I'm going. Because if I don't go away and come back, you can't go. He's going to prepare the way for them, not by building mansions individually for us, but by going to make the way that we can go there. All right, you're going to see it. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just dissolving our beautiful mansion building Jesus. When in reality, he is our beautiful dwelling place, no access unless he does it, Jesus. You understand? All right. Uh, so he said, let not your heart be troubled. Doesn't that sound familiar? Let not your heart be troubled. Now, doesn't that connect this a little bit? <laughs> Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled, Right? Verse 28, uh, you have heard me say, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me and you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. Verse 29, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may what? Believe. Now it can't be the second coming. You know why? Because when he comes the second time, Nobody will have trouble believing because every knee, every knee, I said every knee, both knees on everybody, atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Islam, every knee will be cracked. That's right. You and me, though, we already be there. Oh, uh -uh, I'm breaking my knee. I'm already down. I knew he was Lord before he came. Every knee will bow. There will be no believing problem in the second coming. Y'all with me? So this cannot be that he went to go build some houses for us. That he said, I'm telling you this, look at I'm telling you before so that when it happens, you may believe. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, so he says, now I have told you before it comes. So then let's go to uh, chapter 16 real quick. 16 verses 16 through 22. 
John 16, 16 through 22. Then it says, a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. Uh, so so uh, this little while is not, you know, 2,000, 3,000 years. This is just a few days, folks. A little while and you won't see me. And then in a little while you will see me. Well, we know that the disciples had that take place. In uh, verse 17, it says, Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, Therefore, what is this that he says, A little while? We do not know what he is saying. In other words, they don't understand. Verse 19, now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? So, you know, the, you know this just makes me feel so good about, you know, myself. Because the founding 12 disciples, the apostles of the faith, the foundation of the church, they were as dense as I am. You know, this should make us all feel like, man, I believe God can use me. I'm, and I'm cracking up. I'm here reading John, and I'm reading a bunch of other stuff. John, I'm listening to John talk about uh, the event, you know, uh, of what took place, you know, when Jesus uh, died and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And, and uh, John, you know, speaks of himself in the third person. He said, uh, Peter and the other disciple, it's him, they ran to the tomb, and the other disciple beat him there. I run faster than Peter does. Then he refers to the other disciple again in the same verse and says, the one who won the race went into the tomb. So he's like, I beat him. I'm, I'm so proud of being faster than Peter. He ain't nobody. There was this funny competition. Now, these guys are young people, I want you to understand. It's really amazing because every time I look and read about their humanity, I realize that that means that we, you, myself, we are qualified to be greatly used of God. Listen, what the devil told you were your limitations oftentimes are the very thing that propel you into God's purpose. Listen. Uh, we know this about Mary. Mary said, but I'm a virgin. How could this be? You know, she thought it was the disqualifier, but it was the qualifier. I'm getting off. I'm getting off on a whole nother message. But listen, so, so here we see uh, the, the uh, disciples uh, wondering, like, what in the world? What does this mean? And Jesus said, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Verse 21, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come, but as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. 
Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. Glory to God. Listen, this cannot mean the second coming. Because uh, what, what is the birth that Jesus literally uh, was the firstborn from the dead? And we, of course, we're caught with him in that birth. He's the firstborn of many brethren. We are the many. And so, so when he said, I'm going to go away a while, but you will see me again. He's talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. When he says, I must go, you know, let, let not your heart be troubled. Well, there was reason for trouble. And they sorrowed when he was gone, right? But they did not sorrow when he went up, caught up into the clouds. They were like, they were looking, you know, but they were like, oh, they were like, oh, man, he's gone again. But when did the world rejoice? The world rejoiced when they crucified the Lord of glory. Woo! All of hell rejoiced. We've got the Christ. Woo! But the Bible says, if the devil would have known the plan... If the devil would have known the plan, he would not have messed with Jesus. So the world rejoiced for a minute, but Jesus rose on the third day. Hallelujah. And when he rose and, and, and got with his disciples, they rejoiced. Praise God. Hallelujah. So it change, this changes everything. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. So we saw, let not your heart be troubled in 14.1. And we see it said again uh, in uh, verse 27. It says, uh, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be, let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, but I am coming back. Okay? And uh, so, so we, we know and we connect this to it. He's not talking about uh, building mansions uh, before he comes. He's talking about literally making a place for us to go. Without him going to the Father, that can't happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So uh, John 20 and verse 1. Hallelujah. Her page is turning. Praise God. John chapter 20 and verse 1, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So this is early in the morning. Everybody understand? Everybody say early in the morning. In John 20 uh, verse 11. It says, but Mary stood outside by the tomb. Just incidentally, that whole deal with John and Peter just already took place here. <laughs> okay. uh, lots of fun. Uh, it says, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. This is an amazing image right now that she's looking at. Does, can anybody think of what this image she's looking at, what she's visualizing? Actually, there is a type and shadow of this. Does anybody know what it is? Somebody help me out. That's right, the Ark of the Covenant. 
the two angels and their wings, the mercy seat. Amazing. Amazing. This gives me goosebumps, man. It makes the hair stand up all over me. You know what I'm saying? I look like a poodle right now. I'm telling you, just like, God is, woo! She peers in and sees the, the actual, the actual. Glory to God. Jesus has given his blood. And this place where his body lay was this place that was an act of the mercy seat. And the angels are actually doing the thing of which the ark was created to represent. Woo! Come on. Glory to God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. So, so uh, uh, then in verse 13, it says, Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir. Now, I'm not sure why she thought he was a gardener. Huh? You think his Greek had a Greek accent or something? Oh, <laughs> It's like, oh, the Greeks typically were the gardeners back then, you know. But anyway, <laughs> she's supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where they have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, what, which is to say teacher. So she says, teacher. So, so it's amazing, and, and why, or how come, or what the reasons are that Jesus literally was shrouded. This happened to the disciples. He literally walked with them, talked to them about the, the word of God, and, and, and was with them for quite some time, and then opened their eyes, and they're like, whoa, it's Jesus. How about the disciples when they're fishing again after everything took place, and, and he's on the, on the shore making fish and tells them to let their net down. They don't know it's him. Amazing stuff, isn't it? So supernatural, so, so awesome. So she doesn't recognize him, but then all of a sudden he opens her eyes and she's like, oh my goodness, teacher, praise God. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. And actually this should be translated, by the way, don't touch me, just so you know. This word translated don't cling to me um, is the same word that Jesus used when he said, who touched me when the woman with the issue of blood it's the same word, but here in the King James, they translate it, don't cling to me. I looked at many translations. Most of them say, don't touch me. So Jesus is telling her, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending. Listen, this changes everything. Everybody say, this changes everything. He said, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. Yes, Come on now. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 He said, let not your heart be troubled. For in my Father's house are many mansions. 
I must go to my father. This is it right here. This is what he was talking about. I must go to my father. Uh, praise God. Hallelujah. Woo. Come on. This is exciting. This changes everything. God is now my father. Hallelujah. Jesus went to make a place for us. Hallelujah. My point is, you are not waiting for a mansion. You are not waiting for a place. Your place is ready. Hallelujah. Can you imagine showing up to heaven? And all is, is, is just the studs and the foundation. You came a little early, got caught by surprise. <laughs> Jesus, as you can see, is still working on your mansion. <laughs> Go figure. We had a rush this past week. You weren't on the list. <laughs> just think of how crazy it would sound, what we have allowed ourselves to believe. Listen, I'm as guilty as everyone else. What we allow ourselves to believe. Listen, believing something that's not true concerning the word is as dangerous as believing what? A lie. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is your father right now. Glory to God. He says, you go tell them. Now, what is going on here? What, what are we experiencing? What is Jesus doing? Why is he saying, don't touch me? There's something that has yet to be done that he needs to do. He has to go to the Father. You understand? Hallelujah. And he does. So they, she goes to tell the disciples and blah, 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 yada, yada. And they're like, woo, you know, you know. Mind blower. In verse uh, 19, John 20, verse 19 through 22. It says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Now listen, this is a funny thing for me because. I teach on uh, study, you know, a class in our Bible school on study. And uh, everybody, we will say, Jesus came through the wall. <laughs> Nothing here says he came through a wall. He stood among them. So no, certainly he showed up like Star Trek, right? So we really honestly don't know if he came through the door or if he did a Star Trek thing or came through the wall. We really don't have that information. But he was standing in the midst of them. That we know the word of God says. All right? And it's cool to make it supernatural and Star Trek-y. Or through the wall even, just through the wall. Not, I'm not saying he couldn't. I mean, Jesus does whatever he wants. He walks on water. Why couldn't he do whatever he wants with the elements? Right? Apparently he had a flesh body because he ate fish with them after he was raised from the dead. He fried fish and ate it with them. It didn't fall on the floor. He didn't put it in. It came into him. 
right? Can I just challenge everybody to not check your brains in at the door when you read the Bible? It's like the little boy, you know, who, uh, you know, the, the Sunday school teacher asked him, said, what is brown, fuzzy, has a tail, climbs trees, and eats nuts? Little boy raised his hands. He says, yes. He said, I'm pretty sure it's Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel. Sometimes it's a squirrel. Just so you know. So we don't check our brains in at the door when we read the Word of God. Yes, it is a spiritual book of which uh, we have to understand it supernaturally, but we can't just disregard the things that surround a truth. Y'all with me? I've got some of my Bible school students in here. I can see them going, yep, praise God, amen. That's right. Hallelujah. So, all right. So moving right along. So, uh, so he stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So listen, uh, the morning, he said, don't touch me. But here he's amongst them in the midst of them, showing, him, showing them his hands, his side. So that means that whatever he had to do is taken care of. They now can touch him. You understand? He did it. A little while, you won't see me. Then a little while, then you will see me. Because I have to go to the Father. Hebrews 9.12, and I'm, I'm running out of time. Hebrews 9.12, it says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Glory, Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So what was he doing? He was delivering his blood to the mercy seat of heaven. I have to go to my father. And he delivered his blood. My, 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 my. Woo-wee. It is done. It is finished. You are redeemed. Sin has been done away with. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26, real quick here. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What did he do? He put away sin. Woo! Ha, ha, ha! Ephesians 4, 8, and 9. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, this that he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Woo-wee! Hallelujah! And now we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. He led captivity captive with this cloud behind him. He rises from the grave and and goes before the Father with the precious blood. And you can imagine that if Jesus uh, was was, uh, deemed crucified, he was the uh, actual uh, redemptive person who took our sin into himself. That, that the Father looks at Satan who's judging us and condemning us and accusing us. And he looks at sinful man. And then he looks at Jesus. And he uh, places the gavel down and says, justified. Justified. 
justified because of the blood. I like what um, Pastor David um, says. He's quoting, uh, I'm trying to remember who that quote came from, but it's, it's justified, never sin. Justified, never sin. You have been justified. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, I go to make a place for you. Woo. That where I am, there you may be also. I go to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. Jesus has changed everything. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace resting on the church, resting on your people today. Thank you for working in every person. Lord, open us up to see and hear and understand these truths. Give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. Flood our hearts with light that we may know the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of your power in us as believers which is according to your mighty power that you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in heavenly places. Father, we thank you for revealing these truths. Holy Spirit, help us to see the significance of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in our union with him. We thank you, Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, no one looking around the room, if you're here today or you've tuned in online and you don't know for sure if you were to die that you would go to heaven. The Bible says you can know for sure. You see, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun or avoid. The only way you can escape hell is through Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, he said. He also said, unless a person is born again, he will not see the kingdom of God. John said of Jesus, he said, to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. God did not make this hard. God did not make it tough. Jesus did the hard work. All we have to do now is to believe and receive. It is not God that condemns you, it's the accuser. There's only one way to silence him, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, the blood of Jesus will reach into your very conscience and, and wash and cleanse you completely, reaching in to the past, reaching in to the hurt, reaching in to the bitterness, reaching in to the pain, reaching into the brokenness and the bruising, and restore and heal. For this reason, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of Satan. Woof. To set us free from the fear of death. When you get born again, you're not afraid of leaving your body anymore because it is actually a wonderful and a great blessing to step over into eternity as a child of God, into the presence of God, because there is a place for you there, yes, but there is a place for you right now. Through faith in Jesus Christ, so if you would like to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want to pray with you today. Everybody together, if you would, please say this simple prayer from your heart. 
Say, Dear God, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for me, that He was buried, and He rose again. I call Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for saving me. Thank you, Father, that I've been born again. Thank you, Father, that I am your child, and I will live forever with you in heaven. In Jesus' name.